Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. We'd love for you to join us more frequently. So before we get started, why don't you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast? Let's go to today's message from Claire Gagler. Hello, it's so good to see you and thank you guys for that intro. That was really lovely. And uh, I was just saying, as we were shuffling, like, doesn't it feel like God's just opened up a can or something? Like he popped a soda can. There's something special that he's doing right now in this atmosphere. I'm I'm hoping that you're sensing that at home. I bet you are. Um, And in that space, like, let's just lean into that. Um, His presence is here and that makes it special. Um, Let's be listening to what he has to say for us today. Uh, I'm speaking week three, live out love. And uh, I feel like God has put a story on my heart uh, to share with you guys. So I think that's probably the best place to start. What do you guys reckon? And the story is this. Hi, Andy, I just heard you. Um, the story is this. If, um, it's about Jesus. It's when he's teaching and uh, preaching out and about doing his ministry thing. And he uh, is parked up in a house. And the Bible says that the power is on him that day to heal. And so naturally... The house is packed, heaps of religious people in the house, heaps of people bringing sick people so that Jesus can heal them. And word gets around town that this is happening. And uh, we have some friends who are listening in to what's happening in this house and they go, we have a friend who could use that. And they have a friend who's paralysed. So what they do is they stretcher him to the house and they uh, get there and they find that they can't get in. Like the line is out the door. There's no room. The room. Like the house is so packed out that they can't even get him in the door. Their friend who they've carried all this way. And like there's always one lad in every crew, right? There's always one lad. And this bright spark decides that it is time to unleash the world's greatest idea. And he says to his friends and he convinces them that it would be a fantastic idea to um, dig out a hole in the ceiling and get their friend in the room that way. And so that is what they do. Now, I was talking to my friend Brasita about this story, like earlier this week, I mentioned, hey, I'm gonna be speaking from this story. And she reminded me that ceilings back in the day were made of two materials, straw and manure. So these guys are digging through some pretty nasty stuff to get their friend in to see Jesus, the doctor. And so they're digging through straw and manure. And like, can I just pause here and just like, where is all of that mess going? As they're digging, yeah, <laughs> you're picking it up. So as, as they're digging, um, we're like, well, maybe it's in the corner of the room or something. No, Bible says they had their spatial awareness on point. By the time they'd finished that hole and dropped their friend through, he was right in front of Jesus. So you can imagine that this hole as they're digging, what is raining down on Jesus? Like the poop roof is literally falling down upon Jesus's head and the guy gets to the floor And Jesus does what no one's expecting. And to be honest, what no one was really wanting. Because he didn't didn't get mad about the broken roof like the owner of the house probably wanted. And he didn't uh, get, and he didn't, you know, chastise the friends for the ministry interruption, which is probably what the disciples wanted. And he didn't even heal the guy, which is what the friends wanted. He just says, your sins are forgiven. And then instantly, all the religious people in the room, they start doing what religious people do best. They start silently judging in their hearts. (laughs) They go, who is this guy? Only God can forgive sins, but 
<laughs> like jokes on them because Jesus is God. They just don't know it yet. And so he knows what's in their heart and he calls it out of them. And he says to them, I know what's happening in your heart right now. What's easier for me to do? So sassy. What's easier for me to do? Uh, to say your sins are forgiven or get up, pick up your mat and walk out. He says, but so you know that I have the power and authority to do both. He heals the man, the man who was paralysed, probably looking up at his friends, looking up at Jesus, gets up, picks up his mat and walks out of the door that his able-bodied friends couldn't even get him in a few moments earlier. A miraculous healing story. And that story came to me about four weeks ago. Um, it, it happened after a day where Tim, uh, you and Tanya and I sat down in a meeting and we talked about what are we going to say about Live Out Love. And I walked out of that meeting like coming up stumps. I had nothing. Um, and I was like, what on earth am I going to say to do justice justice? What, like what am I going to say? And God woke me up. I'm so thankful that morning about 2.33 a.m. You woke up the same night. And, uh, and we... I woke up and, and in my head was that story that I just told you. And as I considered that, these words poured out of my fingers and onto my screen. Let me read them for you. Human justice is about retribution and a settling of the score, making sure that where there is inequity, that it is remedied. But godly, a kingdom justice is where there is a recognition that the score has already been settled. And all that remains is a value on humanity that is unspeakably high. And I fell back asleep with that reverberating in my heart and my mind, a value on humanity that is unspeakably high, a value on humanity that is unspeakably high. And I've watched over the last few weeks as the value of human lives has been in really sharp focus. Because when you see how much God values people and to what an extent and to such a high value, you start realising that people all over the place um, aren't being treated like either by life or by other people the way that they should be. And you begin to hope that they could experience some of the, the value that God has for them as their reality. There's this gap between the reality of what God has done and the reality of their lived experience. There's this gap. And three weeks ago, didn't Bo challenge us to bridge a gap? And two weeks ago, Tim showed us that without steeping ourselves in the love of God, we can't love others. Last week, Tanya challenged us to recognise and to remove the obstructions and the blockages in our heart that prevent the flow of God's love coming into us and through us to others. As an aside, have you picked up what God is trying to say to us as a church? What you may not have realised is that every single one of those speakers had prepared a different um, or a slightly different message to bring. Every single one of us had. But God arrested us, changed us, challenged us to speak what we spoke. And because He is speaking to us, Riverview, He is speaking to us and He's wanting us to understand something as a community. And it's to do with receiving His love in a new way. We're experiencing that here in this room and we cannot wait for you to experience that here in this room and to build on what we've been doing together during this season online. But it's not just how we experience it, it's how we be diligent, conscious conduits of that love to others. So what has love got to do with justice? Let me show you how it links together. See, justice begins with hope for others. But hope is birthed from love. And love starts with a connection. Let me say it again. Love begins with hope. 
Hope is birth, or justice begins with hope. Hope is birth from love, and love starts with connection. Let me bring that statement down to an everyday experience. Uh, Reese or Josh, can you please get um, Felix's artwork? <laughs> because while I say that justice begins with hope and hope begins with love and love starts with a connection, it's kind of, that's very philosophical. But here's an everyday experience. Have you ever tried to put your child's artwork in the recycling bin? <laughs> this is Felix's artwork. And we eagerly desire its descent into the recycling because we as, you know, unconnected observers have about a 0% attachment to this thing. But Felix sees it differently because he has observed it. He has crafted it. He has considered it. He has cared for it. And as a result, he loves it. And as a result of that love, he hopes that everybody in the house loves this thing as much as he does. He hopes it'll stay in our house forever. It matters to him what happens to this and he, it matters to him that everyone else in the house takes care to ensure that no harm befalls this creation of his. You can put it away. You can put it away. <laughs> See, we, can, we form connections to all sorts of things. It's, that's a, a small example, but think about it. We build connections with our homes and we invest in them. They, our homes turn into our castles. We make connections with local cafes and local businesses. They start remembering our name. Uh, we start becoming loyal. When they're going through a hard time, we advertise them. We advocate for them because we hope that they stip- stick around. In fact, God has this same connection with you, His creation. He loves you. He has great hopes for you. And when we allow connections to develop as people, that is when we can begin to love. And love always protects, right? Always trusts, always hopes. The reverse is also true when we disconnect. Love and hope and justice become less and less possible. So say with me, justice begins with hope and hope is birthed from love and love begins with connection. And that connection element is exactly why you cannot separate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the discussion about Christian charity and justice because sin and separation from God is the ultimate disconnection from which all other disconnections flow. And in Jesus, we see that God so loved the world that He sent, He acted, He gave. And God's great love for us and His hope for reconciliation with us compelled Him to address the injustice that we had caused Him. And His great love picked us up and carried us. It carried us to the cross. It broke through the ceiling of sin. And just like the story of the man who was paralyzed, the mess and the poop of our situation rained down on Jesus also that we could be brought back and connected into His presence again. In Jesus, God took on the full consequence of human sin and He took on the punishment for that, the separation of that. That is the root cause of everything that is going wrong in this world and on a cosmological, like ontological level, justice has been served. There is no longer a score that needs to be settled. All that remains now is a recognition that the value on humanity and all of creation is unspeakably high. But if you're like me, you're wondering if God has dispensed justice. 
Why is there still injustice? Jesus made a promise to us that he's not done yet. He started something, he'll be finishing something. And in the meantime, he caused all of his followers to live out a new creation, hope-filled ethic. We're called to notice the gap between that incredibly high value on humanity, that reality, and people's lived experiences. Kingdom justice begins by closing that gap by everyday acts of hope and love and justice. And I think that's why God prompted me to share that story with you today. And he's asking us to sit in that story today because it is a beautifully congruent illustration of following Jesus where your belief system impacts you the way that you live on the daily and where everyday acts of like hope-filled, love-fueled justice become a possibility. And the more I considered and sat in that story of the friends of the paralyzed man, three questions began distilling into my heart for us today. And the three questions are this. Where are you seeing the gaps between that really high value and people's lived experiences? Second question, who are you willing to carry? Third question, Which ceilings are you willing to break to bring your brothers and sisters into the presence of Jesus? These are big questions. But our response doesn't always have to be like earth-shattering huge actions just because the questions are big. It can be everyday incremental actions that have like such a huge impact and can make us such a huge difference. So to do that and to illustrate how simple and everyday this can be, when we're answering those three questions, I want to give you seven like really quick fire examples of what this could look like. Not because there are only seven ways to do it or not that you should start with these sevens, but I really want to like spark some creativity in you so that you can begin exploring what this looks like for you in your locality, your friendship network, your situation. So here's what everyday acts of justice can look like. Looks like listening harder and longer to people that you wouldn't normally listen to. Believing them when they tell you their stories about their experiences. That's building a connection. That's the path to justice. It's amplifying a sister's voice in the meeting when she has a good idea and it's going unnoticed. You repeat her idea and you give her the credit. It's justice. It's sending along an extra portion of excursion money so no kid in your child's class goes without because of financial hardship. It's seeing people as more than their role when they intersect with your story. At my grandfather's funeral the other week, my uncle got up and he was delivering um, a memory, like a eulogy about the time when my granddad took him to work as a young boy of about 10 years old. So we're talking like late 1950s, Western Australia, regional areas. And he tells the story that granddad took him to work and granddad was an engineer who sort of built and maintained pumping stations um, to carry water to regional towns. And on the day when my uncle went to uh, my granddad's work, they visited a pumping station and these pumping stations was like 70 kilometres apart all the way from Perth to whichever town they were at. And as they rolled up to this pumping station, he saw the team there, big sweaty, hulking, strong man, covered in sweat covered in dirt and they're shoveling wood into the furnaces because these pumping stations aren't electrified, they're done by steam and by keeping a fire burning. So it's heavy, sweaty, unskilled work. And my granddad introduced his young son to the team there 
And he introduced them all by name because even though these pumping stations were 70 km apart, he knew everybody by name. And he introduced my uncle to his team that day by name and by their, their role, but with a catch. Granddad said, this is Jakob. He's a professor, professor in ancient history from Poland. This is Andres. He's a lecturer in mathematics from Hungary. This is Pietro. He's a linguistics historian. This is Klaus. He's a lecturer in engineering. All of these guys were refugees probably from the, from the Eastern Bloc post-World War II. My, my uncle had a realisation that day that people are more than who is standing right in front of you at that specific time in their life. And staying curious about who people are, where they've come from, their story is a beautiful act of justice. It's dignifying. I'll give you three more really quickly. It's learning the First Nations names of places of flora and fauna in your city, respecting the original custodians of the land that you're on. It's making the connection, trusting uh, their insights and learning from them. I mean, the six Noongar seasons make so much more sense in our location than the four European, European ones. Absolutely. It's picking up the trash on your beach walk. You know, Romans 8 describes creation as groaning in anticipation for the full expression of God's redemption. So picking up trash on your walks is a deeply congruent action of your faith in Jesus. It's an everyday act of godly justice. One of my favourite things to do to close the gap is to help my children and the next generation see the gap. So a really simple way that you can do that and start doing that if you haven't already is by reading books like this one. I'm Australian Too by Mem Fox. When my boys are a little older, we'll be reading one called The Rabbits by Sean Tan. Helping them to see the gap from a young age. And for many of us, we do lots of these things already. They're not major, but I'm hoping that you're seeing that just because they're not major doesn't mean they can't be meaningful. And I would love for you to see that there is a deeper why behind these actions. Because what makes, you, what makes this more than just being a good human? Like this is not, these behaviours are not restricted to followers of Jesus. I mean, that idea about the excursion money, I got that from watching a mum at school, who as far as I know, is not a follower of Jesus, but she's doing what good humans do. So how, how, does, how does it make a difference if you're a follower of Jesus engaging in these actions? Well, I think that followers of Jesus have to have absolute clarity about why they are engaging in these acts of everyday justice. They need to understand that there is a clear, compelling call from Jesus to join him in his redemptive work. That means we have no excuses to turn a blind eye or to sever a connection. We are to be people of faith that model what a restored, redeemed world can be like. Riverview, we're called to be a new creation. Right here in your neighbourhood. And developing your understanding of godly justice doesn't also clarify your motivations, but it protects your heart from engaging in self-justifying feel-good justice or developing a saviour complex. You're not the saviour. Jesus already did that. You're not the judge because Jesus had already dispensed his judgment. Your call in all of this is to be a link between two realities of what God has begun and his value on people and their lived experience. Kingdom justice recognises that King Jesus has settled the score. And our disconnection with God, that source of all the wrongness in the world has been cosmically righted. 
Jesus has extended an invitation for all of His followers to join Him in a hope-filled, love-fueled restoration of all creation. And this means we need to notice gaps. It means we need to carry some people. It means we need to break the structures and ceilings to bring people closer to Jesus. And to close, I want to make one final observation from the story of the friends of the paralyzed man. And that is this. Jesus really didn't seem to mind broken ceiling or a dismantled structure. Remember the smelly, messy roof that kind of fell in over his own head? He didn't seem to mind it happening and he didn't even seem to mind it happening in the house he was in and the house that he had chosen. Like Jesus let that sink in for us Christians who love your church. He didn't mind it happening in the house he had chosen to place himself in. What he did seem to mind was the state of the inner world of the religious people. Maybe that roof falling on them was like a metaphor, a symbolic thing of what was happening in their heart. Their their structure was just coming down on them and and they responded poorly. And yes, um, another observation out of this story, which I don't think gets talked about enough, is um, who was left to clean up the mess of the broken ceiling? Probably the good-doing, well-intentioned, Jesus-honouring friends. But can you imagine the conversation they had while they made repairs, made amends? The joy that they could carry together collectively as they got to see their friend walk through a doorway that they couldn't even get him through together. They got to be part of a multifaceted miracle. So with that in mind, I'll ask us those three questions again. What gaps are you seeing? There's that high value. Where is that not being expressed in people's experience? Where are those gaps? Who are you going to carry? Is there someone's face in your mind right now? Maybe it's a group of people. Like, is it women? Is it people in the developing world? Is it people who express their sexuality different to you? Is it people with a different skin colour to you? Is it people who are abled differently to you, like maybe neurologically differently abled or physically differently abled? Who is it that you're willing to carry? And that third question, what ceilings are you willing to break for your brothers and your sisters? Is there a creative, simple action that ushers them closer, their reality closer to God's reality, that source of true love and justice and value in their life? I hope that you feel as compelled as I do by this story to become a person who notices the gaps, who hopes more for others. I hope that you're willing to carry others. I hope that you're compelled to break ceilings as you respond to God's invitation to join Him in the restoration of all things. Josh, I'm going to pray for the guys. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us as a church. You want to get ready and we're going to keep worshipping. But Jesus, really my prayer is very simple. I don't know all the answers, but I'm trusting in a God who is writing the story. And we have absolute faith that you're going to finish what you start. Help us to be a part of that. And churches, we are about to sing together. 
I would encourage you that if today you are in the place where you are in need of a miracle, a place where you are in need of uh, restoration, where there is a gap in your life that only God can fix, only God can heal, only God can bring true justice, then we're about to sing some songs that I would encourage you to sing over your situation, to sing over your life with great faith as a declaration of your trust in God and His power to heal and to save you. But if you, like me, are in a situation where you don't need that sort of clarity, you don't need that sort of provision, but you sense that God is asking you to be that for someone else, to be the link, to bridge that gap, then my challenge to us is as we sing these words, sing them with others in mind and to sing them as a proclamation over their situation, sing them as a declaration over their life. And as we sing, I'm trusting that God's Spirit is going to empower us, give us creative ideas, help us to see things that we haven't seen before. And in all of it, His presence is going to be imbued into this experience and we're going to sense Him in a new and fresh way. We're going to receive His love. We're going to be great carriers and conduits of His love to each other and to our church and to our communities. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. If you want any information about Riverview Church, you can find that at riverviewchurch.com.